My mother used to say, Mpumi, and I'm going to pass this on to you, make yourself a committee of one, just do your part. Sure. Do, do your, your part. part. Yeah. Someone said, I heard this, what you can't do for all, do for one. Do for one. And then that just... Hello, Wisdom and Wellness family. Welcome to another episode. We are in the middle of Mother's Month, as I've been calling it. And today I'm sitting with my own mother. She calls me her daughter friend, so she's my mother friend. (laughs) She's a wife, a mother, author, life recovery coach, licensed psychologist, songwriter. And that's not even a half of the titles mm. <laughs> it's not even half of it welcome on gail thank you thank you for having me and Pumi. i'm so happy to have you here i told you when we started that today there's no set topic but i want to talk about you on gail the mother <laughs> and i took a deep breath right and i <laughs> exhaled so let's see how we go let's see how it goes <laughs> actually one of my favorite things um about <clears throat> One of my favorite moments with you, the favorite thing about my conversations with you is that you somehow slip in stories here and there, right? Oh. So you don't you don't come and give the story full bang, but you'll be like giving a, an illustration mm. and then a story comes in every now and here. Um, so what I wanted to find out is because you have so many gifts and you've, I feel like you've lived a whole lot of lives. I mean, mm. you were a manager um, of a Grammy award winning group. Now mm. you're a psychologist and, and with all the gifts that you have, have you always felt like you're doing exactly what God wants you to do? No. Okay. You know, it's been a journey of discovering when I was about 17, I went to a Christian boarding school in uh, upstate New York, mm. and there was a so a week of prayer. Something happened, and at week of prayers, miracles happened. Yeah, and I made a decision then. Oh, I want to be a missionary. I want to go to Peru. And everybody kept saying, "Why Peru?" And I was like, "I don't know. It just sounds <laughs> exotic. I just want to go." And that kind of that desire of of wanting to be a missionary is probably what started the forward focus of let me study by um, psychology, let me study behavioral science. Yeah. And at that time, we also had in America a group of volunteers throughout the United Nation called the Peace Corps. So I just really knew I was going to save the whole earth at okay. one time, okay. whatever the issues were, as a missionary and a Peace Corps volunteer. Um. That didn't happen in the way I thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. God just kind of, you know, shifted and and shifted in such a way. Africa was never on the list. I can imagine. <laughs> never on the list to be. I, You know, the thing we used to do at home is, at you know, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner when you prayed, and you say, bless all the, the little children in Africa. In Africa. <laughs> and then it was like, now I'm in Africa, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so God's divine intervention and interruption in my life. Yeah. Um, no one could have told me at 17 that I would be in the music industry business. Mm. I didn't even know, many of us didn't know there was a business part yeah. to, to the music world. And so I've been able to just kind of watch God's hand because mm-hmm. it hasn't always been my desire yeah. or plan. Yeah. Just say, okay, let's use this part of you, Gail. Let's grow this part of you, Gail. And so it's been an interesting, for the use of a better term, yeah. it's just been a really interesting, challenging, Journey. uncomfortable at yeah. times. Um, but I'm here at an age now, I'm 
a lot able, more willing to say, okay, God. <laughs> let's do whatever okay. you want to do. So when you look at um, younger, as a mother now, when you look at people my age and in their 30s saying, oh, I don't have a p- purpose. What am I ever going to become? Or mm. I feel stuck. What comes to mind? Do you sit and think, oh, life is still long. You'll figure it out at the end. Or do you feel like we are rushing the process of becoming? I don't <clears throat> think we're allowing your generation is allowing the becoming. Ah. It's the rush to the finish. Yeah. And what so, is the finish? Yeah. What is the, the finish line that the Bible talks about is being completely, almost peaceful, mm. satisfied, mm. content with what is going on now. Yeah. I think this generation, because social media has crept in and and told some untruths about other people's lives and so it's always i want that i want this i want to be like as opposed to becoming your best self um so becoming can get lost if you're not really clear purpose yeah you know my definition for purpose from a couple of years ago hasn't changed it's the same (laughs) god has created us to worship and adore him yeah um for uh, you know, for your Christian listeners, yeah. that's a really important, um, a really important point that sometimes we miss. Yeah. But per- we're, we're we come here packaged. That's what my husband says. Uncle Victor says we're packaged mm. before we come. Mm. God knows our steps are ordered, mm. and so I think we discover. You know, we're talking to mothers today. I used to panic about Proverbs 31. It's mm-hmm. like, how is this woman doing all <laughs> when this When am I becoming this woman? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and then I s- kind of satisfied myself with, ah, we're talking about seasons here. Mm. You know, in her 20s, she does something. I forget what she does, but she buys a <laughs> she piece of land. She goes land and makes sure her husband right, is right. And, but and, she's and, not and. doing all of that at once sure and i think the becoming is we want everything your generation wants everything you can have everything Mm -hmm. but not at once yeah and so when i read proverbs 31 now i think i'm in the near the end here (laughs) uh and and interesting it's a mother's letter Mm. it's a mother's letter to this king to her son right to her son and describing this is the woman you want to look for sure and so it's the idea that she can become mm. in each season. Mm. She's becoming mm. who God has created her to be. So I think we all need to relax mm. a little bit and just realize that it's seasonal. It's I think daily. we've forgotten about seasons. Yeah, because I mean, I'm just you. We almost feel we want every day to feel the same. We want every day to feel like an achievement. Mm. Or mm. I'm feeling this, but sometimes there's just seasons where God is just working on your character and every day doesn't feel fun but i think we've taken our season like you said because of what we're exposed to we think every day is a show up and look amazing and do great things and do big things kind of day and it's not the truth it's not the truth it's not the truth you know when david was hidden in that cave he was trying to think when when is king saul gonna leave me alone sure that was a season yeah but then we see him as a shepherd boy before that time, where he killed the king. Mm-hmm. That was a season. Mm-hmm. I mean, killed the lion. Yeah, that was a season. Um, and so we just have to get really comfortable, huh? Just get comfortable in the moment because yeah. we're creating. You know, I'm talking about 
I haven't thought about it in a while, but yeah. that proclamation, I'm going to be a missionary, Lord. I'm going wherever you're going to send me <laughs> at 17. Um, that was a moment. Yeah. But now I look back on it as a memory. Mm. Let's not not make memories. Mm. And memories come by the moments. They yeah. don't come all at once. This is a memory. It is a memory. And it's a moment. Right and it now. is purpose. Mm. Um, you talk about your upbringing and you come from a home of or a family where there was alcohol abuse and GBV. GBV. How... How was the day-to-day of that? Because I think we have all these campaigns of GBV, speak out, all of that. And it's easy from the outside to say, why didn't you speak out? Why didn't you do this? But you lived in that as a child and you grew up with that. How was the day-to-day and how did it shape you um, into being a a woman, a young woman? Hmm. You know, one of the things uh, God did for me is the first five years of my life, I'm a New Yorker, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the first five years of my life, my um, parents divorced when I was about two months old. So I was sent to the South Mm. um, to be with uh, nine great aunts, uh, one uh, great uncle who was a gangster in Chicago. He was was the cat's meow, they would say, (laughs) very handsome but he was a gangster. Yeah. But whenever he would come home to North Carolina, Hereford, where my people are from, everybody, Petty Grew's home, Petty Grew's home. But I was surrounded by, and I was the first great-grandchild, a female. So I was really loved well. Yeah. Some people would say spoiled, but spoiled is when you loved well. So that was <laughs> okay. the foundation, okay? Yeah. And my parents got back together when I was about seven, eight. And so no one asked me, but they decided I should go back to New York and be with my um, parents. parents. Yeah, It was a hard time because from grass and trees and mm. fishing and streams Family. and church that my maiden name is Riddick. It is a German slave master's name. Mm. But there is a town in North Carolina called Riddick Grove. And that was our home church. Moved to the concrete jungle so to speak mm, and sure. and living very with people different. very different my mom and dad i didn't know them sure they came to visit in north carolina during christmas during thanksgiving holidays and probably some other holidays mm. i just don't remember um but i didn't have a relationship with these folk mm. and now i'm sent so it was traumatizing for a six seven year old to try to navigate what that meant. It wasn't until I was writing my memoir that I went back home to speak to my great aunts Mm. to say, am I remembering correctly or or is this just my imagination? And that is when I got the story about my dad. He was shipped away, shipped away because we had the draft in America at that Mm. time to the Korean War at 19 years of age. Sure. So he he lost his mind. We we call it in 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 psychological terms. um, He he just became shell shocked. Yeah. And so some of the uh, physical abuse that me, my mom, and my brother experienced. Now looking back and Mm. having studied as well, Mm. um, he might have thought he was killing or beating an enemy. Sure. Another Korean soldier. They have blackouts, and. so a lot of the time I was traumatized. A lot of the time I was wishing um, I could stop the madness. Mm, mm. Um, 
when we would hear my father sing, it was a beautiful baritone voice, just an amazing artist. Um, fronted, your generation may not know the Count Basie band, but it was a big, big jazz band mm. back then. But if you heard him singing at the door, mm. you knew it was going to be a good day. Sure. And you'd hear the key in the door, then you kind of relax. Yeah, sure. But if he was not singing, sure. you knew that it could be all day, all night of beatings. Hmm. I don't know how I passed primary school hmm. because it was nights of. So the beating wasn't just your mother, you and your brother as well. All of us, all of us. And and watching my mother um, be, you know, I don't even know really what I did with those memories. You know, some come out and then some are tucked yeah. far away. Um, but that is why I am a GBV Advocate. Advocate today mm. because I know what it's like to live in horror, terror, not knowing what to expect, sitting on the edge, um, waiting for what's, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is, that why, is that why you chose to be a missionary? Did you want to escape home or did you just want to help oh, people? I wanted to help people back then. Okay. It wasn't, I think that, I think God placed in my heart that you're not going to live here always mm, in America. Mm, okay. Thus, South Africa. <laughs> so, um, no, I wasn't running away from home. Yeah. I enjoyed one, one of the positive stories in my childhood. So, you know, to I, I really want to interject that because mm. it wasn't all drama, yeah. trauma. And that's the thing I wanted mm. to speak about is that we th- we make it feels like it's just a bad life, and it doesn't necessarily mean it was a completely bad life. You still had good moments, right? I had good moments. Yeah, it was, it was horrible when you're in it. Yeah, but my grandfather, my mother's father, I used to call him Mister Wonderful. From the time I was twelve, uh, he and he must have known what was going on in our home. But from the time I was twelve to about eighteen, when I went went away to university, mm-hmm. not. I ran away from home then because okay. I chose <laughs> I chose a university in the middle of the country in Nebraska. Okay. okay. And um, everybody was like, why are you going to Nebraska? I was like, mm. hey. but, <laughs> but my grandfather from 12 to 18, we had just me and him. He would take me to the Christmas uh, show at Radio City Music Hall. Mm. And it would just be me and Buster Brown. Yeah. His nickname was Buster. And um, I always felt so uh, belonged, loved, seen, and yeah. cared yeah. for. Because it would just be, and he he was very dapper, very yeah. sharp in his dressing. And then we'd go out to lunch or dinner um, after. Then I had I was called upon to produce a show at Radio City Music Hall, Take Six and Friends. Mm. And the pride in my grandfather had He's already been, passed by yeah, then. But yeah. I kept thinking, wait a minute. Now well, I'm backstage. Now I know <laughs> yeah. how this but to know that I had that was a moment, those five, six years with him. Mm. And then to be brought back and be in charge of something on that stage. Yeah. God. Full circle. Yeah. God is intentional. Mm. Do you remember when your your personal walk with God started? Like, do you have a moment where you think, this is the day that my personal walk, because we grow up in church and we know the God of our parents mm-hmm. and the God of church, but when did your personal 
awakening or walk with God start? That's a really interesting question because I was a nominal Christian for many years in my life. Mm -hmm. I did all the right stuff for every last wrong reason. <laughs> and Pumi, I met Jesus at Santon Clinic Hospital here in South Africa in 19 April mm -hmm. 1995. I was in the country less than 24 hours mm -hmm. wow. and had emergency surgery. Yeah. And um, what was supposed to have been an hour ended up being seven hours. Hmm. And it was a life-death kind of situation going on in Africa. My first visit my, here in less than 24 hours, <laughs> That's I didn't ideal. see purpose in that. No. I was very angry about being yeah. so far away from home. Yeah. And, um, and I blamed it on food poisoning because... <laughs> When I got to emergency, I had been throwing up and throwing up. And I said to the host who brought me, he was like, I'm sure it's that Indian food. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had never had yeah. Indian food to yeah. that degree. I was like, no, I'm just sure. I'm just nothing fine. Big, nothing big. Yeah, just give me something to just, you know, calm my stomach yeah. down. And every every time I threw up, it was getting more dramatic. It was hitting walls, oh my God. And, you know. And so it was like, no, we need to go to the hospital. And I was like, in Africa, in Africa, you're taking me to a hospital. It was. Um, I can laugh at it now. It wasn't. I funny love how then. you say in Africa. <laughs> like all the hospitals, yeah. You know, it, all, all our tumble was not what you all have now. Uh, it was like, well, I was one years old in 1995. Yeah, it was one big room. Yeah. The airport. Really? Really. It was like maybe two. Yeah. So I would have been nervous that. too. <laughs> so I just had my, I mean, less than 24 hours in Pumi. I hadn't seen anything. Sure. I saw the hotel. Right. Sure. And so um, I didn't know what to expect. And you expect. were here for work, right? I was here for work. I, um, it was a project. Um, that I was asked to executive produce on the heels of a project I'd done um, maybe two years before that mm -hmm. called Handel's Messiah, Soulful Celebration. And that won a lot of awards. And so I was invited here to the country to do something similar to welcome in the new South Africa. Ah, okay. And with that project <clears throat> came um, a lot of the cream of the crop at that time, Spongila Kumalo, Ray Perry, Lady Smith Black Mombazo, and the mm. list just went on with American artists, George Duke, Lady Smith Black, mm. and just on and on and on. Mm. I turned down the invite. The reason I was mad mm. in the hospital is because I, said turned, no. I said no three times. <laughs> Every time the invitation came, I was like, no. Um, I don't have time. I had uh, some some excuse. Yeah. Was, but I think the big excuse was what we were seeing on TV just showed South Africa always up in chaos. Mm. You know, when you're just seeing what's happening in the township and you're getting a sound That's bite. All you know, yeah. You're getting propaganda. You're not getting the truth. And it was like, oh, no, no, no. It's okay. I don't need that. No, I'm, I'm in the civil <laughs> I'm rights good. movement of my own <laughs> yeah, country. Yeah. I don't need to go there. But when I finally decided, it was like, what okay. Made you what made you change your mind? The just, to make the, just to make the these folk to stop asking me. <laughs> so now you have an entire marriage. <laughs> <laughs> a whole marriage. Oh, man, I was like, no, no, there's no. And I was so polite with my no. I was. I was, no, thank you. God um, bless you. Not this time. <laughs> I have no interest. So finally, um, I said to my PA, actually, I said, if that Malcolm Duplessis, who is now lives in Nashville, mm -hmm. we've just changed. <laughs> goodness. If he calls the office again, yeah. just tell him anything. Mm. 
but I'm not interested. And my PA, Sandra, I mean, Shauna at that time, not she wasn't a PA. She she was my whole right side. She made things happen. And she just kept saying to me, but there's something about this Malcolm. I just think you should take a, a, a meeting with him. And I was like, Shauna, I'm not interested. I'm not going to South Africa. Yeah. She said, but just maybe just meet with him. Yeah. So I kept saying no. And when I got to L.A. for some business meetings at Warner Brothers Records, I go to visit some friends of mine. I'm not in a hotel. Mm. I'm at my friend's home, and there's a knock on the door. And my friend comes, and he says, I'm sorry, there's a Malcolm Duplices at the door? I was like, what? Is this? I said, it's a Malcolm Duplices. And I said, no. He said, well, please come, because we don't know who this person <laughs> And I go, and it's this Malcolm. And he says, hello. I said, how How did, did you find me? How did yeah. you find He said, Shauna. Uh-huh. I was so upset. Now when we speak, I'm just so grateful yeah. that she just listened to the heart of God sure. for me. Yeah. That's why it's important to surround yourself mm. Puli, with talent, mm-hmm. but also with people who have discernment. Because yeah. sometimes we don't know. Sure. Because I certainly didn't know you, that. You said that when you were talking to the guys from Take Six, mm-hmm. that we didn't, you, I, this was impressive, <laughs> by the way. You had an entire five year plan, mm-hmm. which worked out in a year. In a year. And everyone is singing praises <laughs> and it's great and all. And you said, look, God, we had talented people, we had great mm-hmm. things, but we had God. Mm-hmm. And he directed. Things got a little crazy when we started trying to direct. But in those first, that first year, mm. you could just see God's hand. Mm, bringing the right people The right in. people at yeah. the right time. And my living in Nashville, it was, gosh, you know, they have a manager who's a novice. She doesn't know the business. But look at what's happening mm. with them. So we had to say, and I had to say to them as well, um, you know, we have... Lady Smith Black here, mm. right? That we marvel over in the states, but here you kind of like, oh, they're. We. And it was the same yeah. thing with Take Six from sure. where they come from, yeah. Oakwood University. There, lots of other people can say that like kind that. of yeah. talent. Yeah, but God had a plan here for this group. Yeah, and it was to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ through music. Sure, and and the conversations that we would have with different people who were like, you know. So tell us yeah, about what's the, what's the what's trick? Going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's the trick? Where's the magic? Is, is it Vinny? Is yeah. it his bass yeah. only? What's yeah. happening that these doors are swinging open? Yeah, you know. Um, so you got to know when the presence of God mm. is there, and mm. you got to know when we decide that we don't need Him anymore. Sure. And you can feel the shift. You can feel, you can just feel like you're just doing the work. And that's when I got to a place where I was just signing these contracts. Okay, let's go. You actually uh, mentioned that. And before we go back to when you, your walk with Christ, you said you used to pray over every contract. And you remember the day you stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. Does that feel like the shift for you where you took a hold of the ship? We started making decisions that were not great decisions. Before it was great decisions. Mm. Um, but then when we told God, oh, we got this. And he I was should. like, okay. Um, then you can feel you, there's something in you, um, particularly if you have a relationship or want a relationship with the Father. The Holy Spirit, his spirit is just so 
So focus on the plan, yeah. on God's plan for yeah. your life. Yeah. But he will not yet, I don't like the word, but yet, there's no forcing. Mm-mm. It is the gentleman of the gentleman. Yeah. He just says, I'll wait. Yeah, you tell me. Sure. Take me back. Let's go back to your meeting Jesus oh. Christ in Sant- at Santon Clinic. So I'm laying in Santon Clinic, right? I have tubes everywhere, my nose and my mouth, three or four coming out of my side. You know, place holes you don't even know you have in your body. <laughs> there were tubes and they were all hooked up to this <laughs> thing next to the bed. And I remember waking up. But here's the thing. In South Africa, there's this wonderful choral tradition, right? Mm-hmm. And you used to have on, I think it was like SABC3. It was really... No, I don't. I all I know is that it was choral, um, like competition. Yeah, every Sunday night. Yeah, I think it was a family program. Oh, okay, yeah. So I had the surgery on Saturday, <laughs> and it was like seven hours, right? So yeah. by the time I got to my room, it might have been nine or ten o'clock at night, mm. and all the only thing I had, only thing I could do, was to call my pastor at home. Mm. And and I knew he would be in touch with my children and to call Warner Brothers. Say, I'm having surgery. They were like, <laughs> in Africa? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, get the Warner jet, go get her. And um, then it was one of my best girlfriends before surgery. So they say, um, one of the ward nurses said the phone was ringing off. Well, Folk didn't know we were seven hours ahead or eight mm. hours. So people just call and we hear she's had surgery. Mm. What, what kind of surgery? So the phone was ringing off the hook. But when I woke up early Sunday morning, the TV was on mm. and it was this choral music, right? Mm. And I was scared to open my eyes because I thought I'd die. <laughs> I was like, (laughs) and so trying to gather my thoughts and, you know, forgetting, wait a minute, I'm in hospital and what happened? You know, because you're fogged, all that anesthesia or more anesthesia, because first you're given enough for what they think. And then they get in and it's like, wait a minute. And so... I'm I'm opening one eye at a time, trying to collect myself, and then sun is setting. As I look out the window, and in my head, I'm like, "But I didn't want to come." Hmm. And I said, "No. Hmm. Why would you do this to me? Sure, I'm hundreds, thousands." Of miles mm. away from anything and anybody that I know. That you know. And the nurses who would come in, you know, the white nurses who were speaking Afrikaans, the black nurses who were speaking their mother tongue, I didn't understand. I couldn't sure. hear what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. And I would just cry, you know, just tears. I couldn't scream. I was screaming in my head because I had the tubes down my throat. And I just remember just being so lost and so scared and I felt betrayed. Mm, by God. By God. Yeah. I was like, I had just come through, well, this was 95, April yeah. 95, but I had gone through a horrible, no divorce is easy, but a horrible one in 1990. I was still angry about all that. So sure. this was leftover, leftover, leftover. Now I'm done. <laughs> no, I'm this done. This is not working I'm out. Done. Yeah. Um, but when I, I love nature. 
That's one of the reasons I think we're really happy in North Hook in the Western Cape right mm. now. God knows this child. Mm. And so rather than trying to convince me, and I'm so glad that no one, I didn't know anyone, so there was no one going to come in the room and hand me a bunch of Bible texts. I just couldn't have dealt with that. Sure. So I look out the window. I had this private room and this huge window my bed was facing. And one star, two stars. I love um, constellations. Mm. And three and four and five stars. It just started blinking like Christmas lights. Yeah. And I was just looking and I was mesmerized by the African sky. There was no pollution at that time in Santa. Mm. And so it kind of calmed me a little bit, but I was still like, but I, I said I didn't want to Yeah. Then I got quiet and I realized I'm alive, but I started feeling my stomach. I was like, what did they do? Mm. Then I heard people say, I don't know, does God still speak? And I can only speak from my personal experience. I'm so glad he didn't speak in a God voice. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to take that in the state I was in physically or emotionally. But in my own voice, I heard, I love you, Gail. Sure. And you'll have to trust me on this. Well, when the word trust came up, I like trust. <laughs> what do you mean I'm trust? It's like, what do you mean trust? Yeah. That window experience sure. was so precious. And I say that God in my memoir, I say he just did a light show. This this to just let me know I'm you know, you belong to me and I belong to you and yeah. I got this. Yeah. And we probably could have done it a different way, Gail, yeah. but you're strong-willed, <laughs> you know, and um, I chose this. Mm. I chose to use this mm. time. And then the next day, the word got around that there's a, a, a black American here. I think the, the drawing card was, and she's from Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, but all these artists showed up. Um Ray Perry came, uh, worship leader Lionel Peterson. He mm. showed up in my room. Um, Spongeli Kamal. It was just all of these folk, and I didn't know anybody, right? So yeah. people were coming in. Flowers are coming in, like a funeral parlor, yeah. all these flowers. <laughs> and, and I'm laying there thinking, wow. So slowly but surely, God was wooing me. Yeah. Because um, the conversations were so rich, and I still couldn't really speak. And then... There was a friend of my host, Malcolm Duplessis, who didn't know me from a hill of beans. I couldn't fly home. I needed. I stayed in the hospital for 15 days, sure. and then I needed another 15 days sure. to recover before I go went back to the hospital to be released to fly. And this woman, Merle Thompson, here in Hurlingham, took me into her home. Sure. And, and you didn't know her? Not from anything or anybody. I met her. Once, oh, I met her and stayed in her home like overnight or a couple of nights or mm-hmm. something like that coming in. This was going to be my space. But the whole hospital thing kind of rearranged even that order. And she took me in and um, beautiful home, but Merle and her husband full of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, I never arrived here as a tourist. I never got to see the it country came home. as a tourist, Yeah, you know, yeah. and so... God was answering the 17-year-olds, I'm going to be a missionary, (laughs) but not in the sense that 
um, I had in my head. Yeah. I had in my head. And so that, interesting enough, when I became a chaplain, scientist Sanson Clinic, Dr. Um, Conjay's office, the very hospital that saved my life. It was the hospital that I became a chaplain in. Even now, Pumi, when we drive by Sanson Clinic, it's almost like hollowed ground. Mm. That's where I met Jesus. Sure. That's where I met him. When you tell the story now, you obviously tell it with so much grace and there's laughter. In the moment, did you feel like I am meeting Jesus right now? No. I felt felt betrayed. I felt... Did we have to do this here? Mm. I mean, all the hospitals at home we couldn't have chosen. <laughs> one just ones, you know, I mean, yeah, isn't this dramatic? Yeah, this is like the Red Sea yeah. kind of stuff, it right? Is. Yeah, and um, so you know, when we get to I'm not speaking to you, God, kind of stuff, you got that? Oh. <laughs> I'm not speaking to you anymore. <laughs> um, I went through that. Here's what I learned in that period, because as the days and as I was healing and Mm -hmm. as I was recovering, I was beginning to see God's hand. But in the early stages, I want to say to folk who are angry with God that God can handle our anger. That was my next question. Do you recommend that? Yeah. I mean, you can't be angry with someone you don't have a relationship with, right? Okay. Whether it's a growing relationship, an indifferent relationship or whatever it is, you're not angry with people you don't. Did you know, about, yeah, you yeah. Know? And while I didn't know him like I know him now, yeah. and will continue to get to know, those were the early stages. And when we are, I don't know if it was rebellion as much as it was, I was hurt. Yeah, yeah. I was deeply hurt yeah. that I didn't want to come. Mm. I told you three times I didn't want to come. And I'm still angry about all the other stuff that's yeah, already we didn't happened. Even, we're still working through 1990. yeah. And um, don't you think this is a lot to deal with, God? And to kind of hear no, because I got you. Sure. I'm carrying you. Mm. Um, and I and I, I wrote for Ebony magazine that was here in the country, Ebony, South Africa. And I said, you know, as this country was going through transition, I found out so was I. So are you, yeah. And um, and what what's also interesting is that Malcolm Duplessis introduced me to Victor Masando, who is also a a treasure here in your country mm. in, in as a musician mm. and a producer. And um Malcolm And your just, man. Hmm? And your man for those who well, don't I was know. getting to oh, that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just waiting for <laughs> you to say it. In the, in the beginning, Malcolm says to him, Listen, mm. I've got to go to Durban. Can you look out for Gail? And there was this kind, he was just so kind. And that was kind of our first meeting, and he would say that the surgeon who God also placed in my life, who the day I was to leave the hospital, he said, I wasn't going to lose you because sure. my son died the year before with the same intestinal blockage. Sure. So that it was had. personal. It was very, he would come to see me twice a day. American doctors, they write on the charts. You may oh, see them, you yeah, may not. Yeah. He would come and he would sit on the end of my bed and I would think, oh, what a nice British mm. ger- um, surgeon. Mm, but it's of a man. Yeah. But didn't realize that he was really taking this, you know, very seriously. Mm. But Victor tell, my husband tells the story how I was traveling with a, an American visual artist, when you go to Regina Mundi, in the back of the church is this big mural. Mm. Well, that 
we put the roof on the church mm-hmm. of the project that we did here. Okay. And there's a mural in the back. Yeah. And I was traveling with a, a visual artist who helped the Funda community students paint that mural. Okay. He, James, was with Victor. And the surgeon would always come to Victor and say, and this is what we did, and this is what. And he was like, no, no, no. She's traveling <laughs> with him, and, <laughs> and she'll be guy. traveling back <laughs> yeah, with her. Yeah. And no matter, he said, no matter if he was there to check on me in the evening or check on me in the morning, Dr. Cook would say, and and this is what's happening. And he's like, yeah, okay, okay. So Again. <laughs> fi- finally, when we got married, he was like, I've seen more of you on the inside. <laughs> I've seen you on the inside and the outside. Yeah. I really know what's going on. God in his, you know, Mpumi, had God said at 17 or even 19 when I went away to university mm-hmm. or when I was managing Take Six, when I was going through such a personal disruption in my life. Had he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to send you to South Africa. You're going to marry an amazing, awesome Zulu man. And life is going, I would have been like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Talking to me? I would have been on a boat to Peru. (laughs) Forget the plane. God knows how to introduce not only himself. Sure but his will for our lives. Mm, He's gentle. Gentle, yeah. It only feels hard when we are... Fighting. Fighting, self-willed. Yeah. I want it my way. Yeah. Um, When we're deceived by other people. You know, when I think about Jacob, and um, I think think Rebecca meant well, Mm -hmm. but deceit is deceit at Mm -hmm. the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And their parents... um, who are not willing for God's perfect will to develop in their children's lives. So they start to set up things, okay? Go to this school and you're gonna take this course. And and we interfere. Um, we interfere in God's plan often. Sure. Often. A lot. And it <clears throat> delays God. Yeah. But listen, if he has a plan for your life, Sit. you know, Samson didn't have to be at the end blind. And, and, you know, used as a mule or an animal mm. during that time, his parents were told he was going to be a prophet and he would deliver the children of Israel from mm. the palace. Mm. Nobody needed any help from God. Sure. But when Samson decided to rebel, that's what happened. He, he decided. Yeah. You know, I want life my way on yeah. my terms. Yeah. It delayed God, but it didn't change God's plan. Mm. So either we do it without eyes, Mm. Mm -hmm. either we do it without legs, either we do it, but it's going to be done. It's going to happen. It's going to be done. (laughs) Either way, yeah. And we used to have this commercial in um, America. um, What was it like? It, it's time or something on that order. It's it's about time or it's time. And it's like my way or your way. Mm. Um, and that I think that's what God says to us. Mm. But you have to have an intimate yeah, relationship yeah. to kind of understand my way or your way. Because yeah. it can be, no, it's always God's way. Well, he's saying choose. Mm. Choose life. Choose, choose death. death. Yeah. Um, there's rarely, we make gray. We make it gray. But there's sure. really no gray. There's black or white. Tell me about your time. What is the biggest lesson you took from your 
your journey with Take Six because you, I almost want to say, thrust it into this mm. music industry. <laughs> Quincy Jones calling you mm. personally. <laughs> um, Grammy Awards, mm. tours, managing mm. six almost grown men, your mother yourself, and you've got two, you've got two children, still married. Mm. That, it sounds hard just saying it. What did that stage of your life teach you about you and about God? You know, um, when God invites, and I, I like, I, I want to use that word because uh, one of my favorite scriptures is come unto me, all mm. ye that labor. And I have, that's an invitation. Mm. It really is. You come. And what are you yeah. going to get? Some peace. Yeah. Because in Hebrew, rest is peace, mm. right? So, um, God is always interested in the invitation to introduce ourselves to ourselves because mm. we don't even know the gifts and talents that we have yeah. until uh. we're kind of thrust into in an environment that knocks. Now, what's interesting in Pumi, when I was in high school, I used to produce all of the... Um, it's interesting. I haven't thought about this in a long time, <laughs> but I used to produce the stage productions for Christmas, for um, yeah. the Christmas holidays, the Easter holidays, the spring finales. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was just remembering one of my girlfriends said to me, you would be the only one that would have me dress up as a doll and jump up out of a, a Christmas box. <laughs> yeah. you know, I had those kind yeah. of ideas, yeah. turn the gymnasium into a winter wonderland. And it was also interesting is people would do what I asked them to do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just like, do it, get it. <laughs> and so when it came time for take six, I had been doing it on a smaller yeah. scale. Yeah. But didn't have a proper name for it. I believe, I believe God leaves glimpses. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and, everywhere, and, and you don't get the glimpse until you until later. Just like, I'm, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm looking back right now, yeah. talking to you. It's yeah, like, yeah, and so um, one of the productions we did, and and you know, I've I've buried my mother, buried my father, buried my brother. There were only four of us. Sure, um, Carnegie Hall. I did a production there with Take Six for. Um, Special Olympics mm. Africa, mm. and I'm and on the playbill outside of Carnegie Hall. It was produced by Gail, Gail Hamilton. Hamilton. Africa was always part of the list, <laughs> and I just stood and looked, you know, for the longest time. Yeah. And I said, "My mother, who was a mezzo soprano, sure, who sang in Carnegie Hall, like my grandfather, who took me to Radio City. Those glimpses, yeah." Right? Yeah. But I stood outside and my eyes just got so full because I just kept thinking, what would mommy have said? Mm. What would she have thought? Mm. Um, what, what that season, you know, I was a young woman as well. And I didn't think I had the, I didn't know what management meant at that time. Yeah. So when the guys, two or three of them said, would you stay on? I was like, yeah, but I, I don't know what that means. Mm. You know, I don't have a clue what that means. And, and as time went on, I realized what I didn't know, but some things were just instinctive. Yeah. You know, and, and, and working with a group that was so talented musically, it was kind of easy to say, well, let's do this mm. and let's try that. Mm. And, and they would say, you know, the record company would say, okay, we never did this, but let's, the, let's the try it. Yeah. Um, Back then, when we had record stores, 
it was really important to go to the um, distribution company uh, around the country because the distributors of your product are the ones who would put your seat. Well, back then it was records and CDs later, but yeah. they were the ones who would put your record in, in a spot where the, the traffic is, yeah. where the traffic <laughs> is. They were never treated um, by special concerts mm -hmm. by the artists they worked for. Sure. So it was kind of like I grew really close to another female personal friend, Ornetta, who was head of WIA, which was Warner Electra um, Atlantic Records distribution. And I said, do you think we could go by the distribution offices and just sing for the staff? Mm. <laughs> and she was like, actually... Yeah, wow, we could do that. We started seeing, now, Take Six had no radio airplay. Sure. None. The DJs didn't know, radio DJs didn't know where to place the music. Yeah. So it was purely performance, sure. master classes, meeting them backstage. Relationships. Relationships. Yeah. But when we would go to the distribution offices the staff was so ecstatic yeah. because no one ever came by. Yeah. And they would do a full 20, 30-minute concert. Sure. So when we would go to Tower Records at that time, where would Take Six's product be? Mm. Right, in, right the in the front. front. Yeah. You know, when people <laughs> And so it was no radio airplay, but sure. the records were flying. They sure. were selling and selling. Now, I would love to take credit for that idea, That's but awesome. I really know that it's, it's the the God of heaven and earth who yeah. is so creative yeah. and can come up with things far easier, better, yeah. more exciting, Simpler. <laughs> you know, yeah. than we ever could. Yeah. Than we ever could. So that's what you learned that God is creative. He's, He's know, the creator. I'm just uh, a product of his creativity. Yeah. That's it. You know, and it's wonderful to be tapped on and say, will you do this for me? My husband says, detour. Mm -hmm. But my husband believes, Uncle Victor believes with all of his heart that the Holy Spirit came to a Christian and said, you know, I have this idea. I want to create this lap, this, we can call it a laptop mm -hmm. or something like mm -hmm. that. And we can, we can call the, the, um, what is it? The internet, we can give it the name, the internet. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, you could call it Microsoft if you want. Would you do this for me? And the Christian said, oh, no, that sounds like devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we get bypassed yeah. because we're not willing sure. to step out of the boxes that sure. people have, have put created. in. Yeah. I said, no, that can't be done mm. like that. That's, that doesn't come. That's not God. God would never yeah. do, you know, as opposed to standing still like Joshua did. He met up with the Lord of hosts and said, wait a minute, are you for us or are you against us? Mm. And it, what I'm saying to that is we can always go to God when an idea comes mm. and says, Lord, did you plant this? Or not? Is this you talking mm -hmm. or is this another spirit? Sure. We have that opportunity sure. all the time to yeah. be able to do that. To ask. And then to be able to sit back and watch God create with your life. And do it. And you're so right in saying that. I always say personally to my team that, look, I would love to bring this spreadsheet with all the details. And then 
But truly speaking, everything is Holy Spirit inspired mm. and you cannot package that. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't put that in a, a resume or in a business. It's just, I mean, we have to be responsible with how we run our business. But for the most part, from a creative process, it's everything is just a Holy Spirit inspired and you move when he says it's time to move and you stop when he says it's time to stop. And when he points a finger. Yeah. Um, and it's important to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. That's true. It's important to give credit. It's like um, the Lord did this. Yeah, we just you know, said the Lord yes. Did this. Yeah, and because I still, I mean, I'm I'm coming up 28 years. Our anniversary is uh, in December. 28 years married. No, August, we had two days. August and why two days? Well, we um, did a. Oh, a small thing. A very well. No, we had a civil ceremony that was done by a pastor okay. of. Um, um, gosh, I can't remember the church, and I know it so well. New Covenant, mm-hmm. New Covenant, and then we wanted to. His mother was not able. Baba's mother was not able to travel at the time, so we went to Durban, and uh, Baba's mentor did the vows. For, uh. I mean, we had vows twice, so we, you know, like <laughs> really, really, co- really committed. <laughs> Really committed. Yeah. But it was for her. Okay. A special service for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did divorce teach you? It's painful. Mm-hmm. Even when you've come to the decision that maybe I did this on my own. Mm. This was not God's. We were at sure. an event yesterday and the question came up. Um are all marriages, what was the question? Almost like, does God like ordain every marriage yeah, that happens? Yeah. And it was like, nope. <laughs> Some marriages are self-willed. Mm. And then God, it's kind of the Cain and Abel story, mm. remember? Um, God said, I need this sacrifice. I need it done this way. And Cain said, yeah, Don't but I got, <laughs> This is better. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and God kept appealing, and I want to use that word. Sure. He kept appealing to Cain. Um, I need you. I need blood here. Sure, it is pointing to the Messiah one day mm. coming and giving His life. Because mm. God Cain, sees the whole picture. The whole and it it was to be an example going forward. Mm. Cain, just follow me here, and Cain just said, "No, I'm not." Mm. Um. Even in picking a mate or being chosen, we, we've we got to be a, a lot more, I think, the word wisdom. Mm. We've got to ask God, for those of you who are wanting to be married in your listening audience or who are engaged, um, you got to rely on the wisdom of God. He knows what's in your DNA. Yeah. He knows the plans he has for you ahead yeah. of time. This idea that they make they make me feel good is just not good enough. Yeah. Or they're cute. Don't we look cute together? That's not Couple good goals. enough. And I really want to speak to my generation. Could we just stop pushing young people to be married so we feel good? Mm. Um, just to say, or to go to a young woman or a young man and say, you're not married yeah, yet. When are you getting married? When are you know, having when, kids? When are you getting married and then when they get married where's the babies if if we could just leave god's business to god yeah marriage is not our idea so we don't know how it works that's the thing i learned 
After my divorce, I had the nerve to say to the Lord, well, while you were on earth, you never got married, so you don't even understand what marriage is about. You're really strong-willed. Oh, man. I was like, you know, you, you. And the Lord let me do that for a couple of months. And then one day, well, Gail, yes, that marriage thing, yeah, we're married to you. So we know how marriage works. Mm. I was embarrassed. Because mm. I was trying to defend sure. even the reasons and sure. the whatever, whatever, whatever. Sure. And then one time I was driving in Nashville just as the divorce was being completed or whatever. And there was this billboard because it was on my office was on Music Row. And I was looking at the billboard and I was thinking, hmm, I should take out a billboard and just let everybody. Oh, what happened? <laughs> yeah. I'm driving along I'm like, that's a great idea. That's equivalent to posting on social media for oh, us. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Or more. Mm-hmm. Or more. And I had this idea. I mean, I was, now I'm talking, I was really thinking that that was a great idea. <laughs> like, not even, know, just the whole like, thing. It's like, this would, and then, because we were a very public couple. Uh. And it was like people were like, but what happened? What in the world happened? I was like, I'll just let them know. Put it on a billboard. <laughs> I got to my office, parked in the driveway, walked in, greeted all my staff. Hi, hi, hi. Getting to my desk. So I can re- this is really crazy, but really plan. The more you this- take it talking about it. <laughs> really plan this billboard. Sure. And then the Holy Spirit said, okay. And should we take a billboard out on YouTube? Sure. <laughs> that idea, <laughs> that idea, that idea went out the window. We can get so self-righteous. Yeah, we do. We can get so self-righteous and not really understanding that we really, because this is God's ordained gift. Mm. When he gave it to Adam and Eve, it was a precious gift. He chose Eve for Adam. Mm. And you say, but look at what's happened mm. now. But in the beginning, he chose Eve for Adam. And it is Adam that got up and said, well, look, you look made a you- mistake, God, because that woman you gave me. And we became objects sure. and at that sentence. And Eve never recovered, really. Sure. And we can say she never recovered because look at what sin has done. But she had Cain, and Cain was anything but kind, mm. anything but obedient, anything but um, careful to listen. Um, so we produce what we carry. Sure. And what I learned is that also there is a knower inside of us. Yeah. Don't push that away. Yeah. Don't push it away because, because everybody wants you to get married or even yourself. Don't run away from home into another home, mm. meaning run away from the home you're raised in and saying, I'm going to just get married and then life will be. No, no, no. Don't, don't do that. It, 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 it will complicate your life further. What I also learned about divorce is how painful it is for children. Yeah. Um, it becomes a, almost a selfish act. Sure. We like to confuse or we don't probably completely understand some of us that in Malachi, 
when it says God hates divorce, he's also saying, this is why I hate it. Mm -hmm. I hate what it does to the family structure. Mm -hmm. But also when you go to Proverbs chapter six, there's seven things he hates. Yeah. A whole lot other. A lot of things that he hates. Mm. Innocent blood being shed, just troublemaking and lying mm. lips. All of those things he hates. And some of those things are in our marriages today. Sure. So when 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 they try to trick Jesus into, you know, what what's the grounds for divorce, we mix grounds for divorce with grounds for remarriage. Mm. There are other reasons for divorce other than infidelity. Mm, but sure. in the world of Christendom, we only hang here. Just the one. Now, in, in, and I'm going to get off this Bible study, but in the book of Isaiah also, or is it Isaiah where God is saying, he uses the term, you know, you left me for other lovers. Mm. He says, I, you know, went to redeem you and to bring you back to myself. Mm. So that's why marriage and relationship is because he himself says, you left, left me, me yeah, for sure. others, sure. for other gods. Mm. You know, you left me. So, and divorce makes you your equilibrium just a little off, you know, because after that I was like, oh, I'm never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 ever <laughs> doing that again. Yeah, Because um, you distrust yourself yeah. and you distrust What's going on around you is you're looking at life through skewed eyes and, um, and you need time to heal. Um, are there times for separation? Yeah, they are. But it needs to be done not out of spite. Mm. It needs to be done not when you're emotionally drained. Um, it is something that needs to be looked at very, very carefully. Sober-minded. And it has sober-minded. Yeah. And it has to be um, for believing folk. You need to do this in God's presence. Yeah. I want to just, before we wrap up on Gail, where does God, divinity, um, personal relationship with God and psychology meet? Because we are in a self-help era and I'm very interested in psychology and boundaries and this and yeah. and all of these terms that I use in psychology. And then there's, there's divinity and the relationship with God. And where do the two meet? <laughs> We're body, mind, and spirit mm -hmm. and soul. Mm. You know, the mind is this wonderful can be a problem child. Mind is dangerous. <laughs> the mind is always telling the brain what to do. It's mm. not the other way around. Mm. And science now has found out that there are actually brain cells within our hearts. Really? So when the Lord is saying, give me your heart. Sure. He knows what he's talking about. Give me your heart. It's not just this muscle that pumps blood. But there's thinking going on here. Sure. It's not far-fetched. Mm. You know, psychology comes from God. Mm. You know, it's many times he would say to David, I need you to go out and fight that foe this way. Mm. Mm. Okay, so that's wisdom. That's thinking. Strategy. That strategy. Yeah. Um, all of that works together for good sure. so that we do the right thing mm -hmm. at the right time mm -hmm. for the right reason with the right people. Sure. That's psychology one-on-one. -on -one. 
under God. <laughs> yeah. It all fits. Yeah. When the sure. body is not well, we generally find out that the mind, something's not well. going on. Yeah. There's yeah. anxieties. You know. I love that you said that. Michelle Obama spoke about she's got a, a like a tool kit, like a toolbox. So when you say using the doing the right thing at the right time, it's like using the correct tools to manage something. Because yes. the hammer might work for this, but it's but damaging for, for that. Right. Sure. Right. Um, when I was diagnosed going back to meeting God at Santon Clinic, um, they discovered I had an autoimmune disease called sarcoidosis. Mm. Now, a lot of people have died from sarcoidosis. Mm. Um, and it's a t- it can be terminal. And I had sarcoidosis in my liver, my spleen, and my lungs. Sure. Um, Uncle Victor married me knowing I had six months to live. That was the sure. diagnosis at the time. Sure. <clears throat> Sarcoidosis is a stress-related disease. Mm. So now whether it was stress that I carried from my early childhood. Sure. But stress. It less. carried to a point where the body said we can no longer handle this amount of anxiety and stress, and the body started to break down. Now, sarcoidosis in your lungs alone, and it was in my primary, the liver cleanses the blood, Mm. right? Um, I went to see a homeopath, my doctor here, she's still my doctor, bless God, um, Dr. Smuts. We found a homeopath, Dr. Milan, and they worked together, and everybody says that was so unusual. But Dr. Uh, Smut said, you know, we can do the medical, the uh, medical, medical, medical. That's going to do with the physiological side of yourself. But you also need, I, want, I would like a homeopath yeah. involved to see what's going on emotionally. Inside, yeah. Well, one Saturday afternoon, um, I was really, really, really ill. So we made an appointment to see Dr. Milan. And when we got in, you know, I'm waiting for him to give me something. And he says, you need, and I'm sitting up, you need to go somewhere and cry. Sure. I said, we have been sitting in your office for an hour and a half. For you to tell me to go to cry? Tell, tell me to cry. And he said, not one of those cute cries. Sure. He said, your liver sure. and your spleen are crying out. You've been stuffing and stuffing and stuffing and stuffing. Keeping it moving. And the and the body is saying, we can't. Sure. Not only we can't, we won't. And it was a serious conversation. He said, you're right in the middle. Six months. Mm. You can change it. Sure. And it was like, what? Well, I was shocked, you know, by every all of the information that was coming to me all at once. And then I got to a place, and it might have been the psychology, I don't know, of just saying, well, okay, well, if it's time to die, it's time to die. Let's get the kids over <laughs> here and tell them what's happening. And and I didn't want anybody to call me up telling me about Job. You know, that's the per- yeah. first thing we start to yeah. tell. I, I don't want to hear Job. God told Paul, no, I'm not going to heal you, whatever was going on with him. And I was trying to get to a place of acceptance, mm. just trying to understand, wow, I have an autoimmune disease. I have six months possibly to live, and it's stress. Sure, that's it. Stress has done this. Divorce, hurt, information, betrayal, all of those things. All, And so I'm an advocate now for 
do your best to let it go. Mm-hmm. Where there's going to be stress yeah. in life, but we can choose how it impacts us. Mm. Some people are not going to speak to us. We're going to lose friends. Mm. Things are going to happen in our lives. Do not get into the land of denial. That will make you sicker quicker. Yeah. Face whatever it is that's going on, but don't face it alone. Invite God into the mess. Yeah. You know, he sees it, but he wants us to be able to acknowledge that yeah. it's really messy yeah. here. And I don't know what to do with it. So do they link? That's why God doesn't leave out. Love me with your mind. Mm. He says, love me with everything because everything is connected. Your mind, your body, body, and your soul. Love me with all. Give me all of that. Give me how you think. Give me how you feel. Give me both. Give me all. And, And there's a blessing that comes out of the aha moments. And there's a blessing that comes out of the exhaling moments Mm of, I finally got it. Yeah. You know, that's why they say the favorite name of God is Yahweh. It's like a- it you're inhaling and <sighs> Yahweh as yeah. you exhale. Yeah. He wants us to let go. That's what that exhaling is about. You know, if we walked around holding our breath <laughs> the whole time, we pass out. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he's like, let, let it go. go. Yeah. I, I don't I'm not, I don't buy into let go, let God as much. As I'm interested in, what are you letting go of? Sure. Let's get into that. Are you letting go of the pride? Are you letting go of the of the betrayal yeah. that you felt? Are you letting go of childhood trauma? Sure. Are you Let's letting go and, and letting God let God do what? Yeah. Let God heal. Yeah. Let God provide. Let God teach. You know, let's dig deeper into these cliches. I think that's what I'm taking from that mm-hmm. is that we're taught to let go, forgive, whatever, but <laughs> Forgive what? Right. Let go of what? Right. And we move. We used to say, you're keeping mm-hmm. it moving, keeping mm-hmm. it moving. Mm-hmm. And you're just keeping it moving because like, oh, I forgive you. And that's it. But there's so much work um, in that forgiving. What are we forgiving? And in a new term that I've just um, learned or gotten used to or brought into my life is sit in it. Sit in those feelings, sit in that pain, sit in that joy, sit in that. Because we want to just, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And that's when later on in life, everything just comes back at you because we don't choose to sit in what's happening. And get well. And get well. Sitting allows wellness. Yeah. My last question um, before we close, it's Mother's Month. What do you know for sure about motherhood? Wow. That we're human beings and we make so many mistakes oh. in parenting. Yeah. And um That's free. Oh wow, man. So many mistakes. You yeah. Know? We when when my daughter was born and I was breastfeeding, nobody told me that breast poo breastfeeding poo looks different than so <laughs> when I took off her diaper there was like this yellow streak. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my god. My kids <laughs> Nobody told me. Yeah. Um, But to be quick, to not deny that when you've made a mistake, don't deny the mistake, but also don't deny forgiving yourself for the mistake. Mm. So don't deny the mistake and the harm it's caused, but also don't deny forgiving yourself for the mistake. mistake. You know, it's the, when we know better, hopefully we do better. We do better. better. Yeah. 
um, and that we're human beings. I remember my third grade teacher, I saw her coming out of the ladies' room, mm. you know, the bathroom, and I was like, oh, no, Mrs. Gillespie uses the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have these ideas yeah. about how people, we forget that we're human. human. Yeah, it's like seeing your teacher at a grocery store. <laughs> like, you shop too, right? <laughs> you eat. You eat. <laughs> these superhuman projections. Yeah. And I want to say, you know, um, I wish I had known this, known then what I know now, that we have to be able to admit um, that we are human and that we do think, we do have some evil thoughts at times. Yeah. We do have some, like, I'm going to take a billboard out. We, 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 we're human, human nature. beings. Yeah. It's human nature. Yeah. And we're not, we don't take that mother off the pedestal, admire sure. her. Of, 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 of the good qualities, but she doesn't belong on the throne. Yeah. Cause when she fails, then, then she, you can't forgive it. her. That's the best thing that's ever happened to me with having a podcast with my mom. Mm. The conversations I say to her, I get to see Nomsa the mm. person. Mm. love the mother mm. mother has her thing but i get to see noms of the person and i think that gives us grace for for people that you've put on a pedestal you've admired or thought mm. they you know so that's that's the best gift my podcast has given me yeah we're we're not saints yeah you know <laughs> we're not saints and and uh to be comfortable with that yeah to be comfortable that we're ever regardless of the age gap or the We're all still growing and learning and developing yeah. and to be comfortable with that. And I would say to mothers, you know, talk about, talk about being a teenager. Talk mm. about being a young woman in your twenties. Talk about the night you stayed at the apartment and didn't go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, let us in. Not, yeah. I yeah. mean, cause this idea of I never, I never did anything wrong. It just sets us up for more failure disaster, yeah. and, and it puts a wall. Yeah. And we're to be building bridges, but we, we learn that, don't yeah. we? Yeah. We're so right that. about the stories. Another favorite. That's why I like stories so much. Because my mom, every now and then, she'll slip in her stories. I'm like, ah, so you were human just like yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> just like me. Yeah. And girls, so I've got three questions. You get to answer them. Um, one sentence or one word. This is called the wall of wisdom. A quote or a scripture you live by. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Mm -hmm. A book or podcast that you recommend. You know what? I think that everyone, not everyone, um, but I think Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart right now, okay. is very revealing okay. about what goes on emotionally. And I okay. think that that's important. I support Brene Brown. <laughs> And then finish the sentence. A wise woman once said. Um, beauty is as beauty does. I think we are so conscious of mm. Makeup and hair and nails. And, but that doesn't make the person. It's just the sure. outer shell. And you take sure. all that stuff off, right? Yeah. I'm just saying. Tonight. It must be something now when <laughs> yeah. the wigs are off and yeah. the nails are off and yeah. the eyelashes are off. But beauty is a, it's, it's cultivated. Yeah. Oh, love that. Beauty it's is cultivated. cultivated. Oh. Do you like that? I like that because <laughs> you're not, it's, 
I thought, I used to think that you're born with these traits, like mm-hmm. people are born with beautiful traits and why didn't I get them? But when you say that beauty is cultivated, mm-hmm. so we can all be beautiful. Yes, you, uh, particularly on the inside. On the inside, you know, yeah. You look at someone and something that, and you that, admire. that they admire. Yeah. My mentor is um, Marion Wright Edelman. She's in her 70s now and she... Her life has been built around, she founded the Children's Defense Fund in America. She mm. loves children. Mm. And her work was to go before Congress and Senate and 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 be the voice for children who had no voices. Mm. Now, admiring her stick to I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this done mm. on behalf of children. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the world doesn't know who Marion Wright Edelman is, no. but a lot of us do. Sure. Because she she could have been some megastar, but she chose to stay in the trenches. Why? Because children's lives were important. So my mother used to say, Mpumi, and I'm going to pass this on to you, make yourself a committee of one, just do your part. Sure. Do Do your your part. part. Yeah. Someone said, I heard this, what you can't do for all, do for one. Do for one. And then that just Just trickles on. It's a ripple. Thank you, Aunt Gail. Thank I love you. you. We love you too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.